to another show of Tied Together. And today we're going to be talking about digital in hospitality and exploring how digital has helped the hospitality industry. And on the show today, we are joined by Tommy Unilis, who is the founder of Ops Analytica, which has been around for seven years. And it's a platform that helps clients manage their daily operations and identity issues in their business so they can be addressed before they affect sales, profits and customer satisfaction. So, Tommy, you're based out of Denver, Colorado. Yes. How did you get into, you know, you know, building a SaaS platform for the hospitality industry? You know, you've taken quite a journey from working in restaurants to, you know, being a stand-up comedian and now building this platform. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. So I'm a restaurant guy, like, since I was 14 years old. My grandfathers both owned restaurants. They were uh, immigrants to the U.S. My one grandfather, the Unilis, he was from Crete. And then my other grandfather was from Puerto Rico. And uh, my parents met, actually, and they had nothing to do with hospitality. They were total technology people. My parents met uh, working for the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Labs. My dad was a rocket scientist, and my mom was one of the first, I think, female uh, coders, probably, from like the late 50s, early 60s. Wow. And they got together, and they wanted nothing to do with restaurants because they had seen how hard they were for their parents. But I had that hospitality bug. And so my first job, I was making sandwiches at the mall. And I got a hotel restaurant degree. And I got my first job. And then I promptly, within about three months of that first job, realized how hard it was in the real world. And so I said, I want to be a stand-up comedian. And uh, ended up going and doing an open mic. And then you know, on stage, had that epiphany. I said something funny. To, for those of you who have never done stand-up comedy, when you say a joke, everybody in the crowd, when they laugh, their heads go back. It's just a natural, you know, that's what happens. And I remember I said a joke and everyone's heads went back. And I thought to myself, like in a moment of clarity, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. You have to do this. Do not forget this moment ever. And so that was it. And so for the, like the next decade, I worked like uh, all kinds of jobs, managing, waiting tables, you know, in restaurants and in entertainment a little bit too. And then did stand up at night. And then I was like, it was like 2005, I think. Yeah, 2005. And I was getting pretty tired. Like I wasn't making a lot of money and I was kind of struggling, you know, just I, I had been touring, but then like the landscape was kind of changing around comedy, big corporate club chains in the US, stuff like that. And I thought, I was actually at the Vegas Comedy Festival and uh, I had like, uh, I just had like a rough set. Like I was literally doing a set and a fire alarm was going off. And I was like looking at the guy like, hey, can maybe we do this later? Like this is my shot to go up in the, the festival. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. I'm like, don't worry about it, man. Like I slept in my car last night. I drove all the way to Vegas. Like, you know, what are you doing here? And so I left that comedy festival, the Vegas festival which that's the real comedy. It's not all these like famous guys flying around doing stuff. Like I was literally performing in a tennis bubble to like 20 people with a fire alarm going off in the background. And I thought I got to get an MBA, right? Like this is nuts. Like I got to go back to school. I got to like bookend this comedy years. I got to go get a job. Like this is crazy. And so I got an MBA, met my wife, graduated. And then I ended up getting a job at Quiznos, which was a big sandwich company in America at the time. And it's also 
has the the benefit of being the largest franchise or implosion, I think, in history from over 5,000 locations of like, you know, individuals owning restaurants down to, I think they're probably around 300 today. And I worked there and my part of my job there was building out this audit platform to audit all the restaurants. So we'd send the field guys out to go look at the restaurants and basically do an inspection to see how well they were doing, if they were clean, if they were just, they were right, you know? Mm-hmm. And I got that experience of running that giant audit program because they were still around 5,000 locations. And then I left, but I ended up building that software myself because they couldn't afford to buy it. And it was a whole thing. And I just kind of taught myself how to write like a, a thing. And then I got recruited from a buddy of mine from grad school to go take his job at a startup that was going out of business. We ended up buying that startup out. It was a workflow startup. So workflow is like, a, it's like building a website, but mm. it's building a .NET app. So I just learned how to do that using a platform. It's called Semantic Workflow. And then in 2013, so this had been like in that time frame, we owned this company and we did all this stuff. We had an employee. He needed a training project. So I said, hey, rebuild that thing I built at Quiznos because I just needed an idea. And that's really the beginning of Ops Analytica. We built it. We threw it on LinkedIn. People were interested in it. We were like, well, this is just like a video and an idea. And so we just started working on it nights and weekends for two more years. And then we, boom, started the company in 2015. Amazing. And and where are your customers mainly? We're, we're in 19 countries, which I'm like amazed about. So uh, we're all over the place, but uh, primarily the U.S., but we have some large chains that are international that have restaurants all over the world. And then we have restaurants, you know, they find us online and they, you know, they come in and sign up. So it's pretty cool. Brilliant. So, you know, explain a bit about Ops Analytica and how it works, you know, in a more kind of functional way. And obviously your your background, I mean, you've have you trained yourself to be kind of analytics or is, have you always had that? <laughs> so I'm severe ADD, but I think just in, so I, one thing that I always had was my dad was always writing programs at the house. Like just, we had a Commodore 64 in the early eighties and he wrote me games in high school, he built me like a Spanish, like a vocabulary system. You know, he liked to do that kind of stuff. I mean, he liked the program and whatnot. And so I always knew about technology, right? Like I just was around it and it wasn't scary to me. And also for whatever reason, like I don't ever think I can't do anything, which mm. is probably bad in a lot of ways. But like, you know, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. So I called the club. Like I naturally i would say this if i have one genetic talent of all this i can look at where i want to be and i can break it down into many steps on how to actually achieve that almost like a recipe right like i see everything like a recipe how to get to the final product that's probably the only thing that i had going for me with this incredible it's good to have that no fear no you know just get on with it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it yeah yeah. And, and also everything looks huge. Like getting to the top, they say like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? How do you get to the top of Everest one step at a time? Like if you can just look at the next thing and not the final thing, it reduces distress about trying to do something huge, right? You can just go, well, I don't have to get to the top of Everest. Now I just got to get 50 feet to the top of that ridge. And then when I get up there, I'll go do the next 50 feet. 
And so that's just sort of how, like, I just was like, okay, I'm going to go do this, whatever. We'll figure it out as we go. So the platform, it's a, what we do is we help these large multi-location organizations manage their field teams, right? And manage their employees. So every business, if you're like a chain, you have certain things that you need to do every single day and you have to do them correctly because you've identified them as, hey, if I don't do this, I'm either going to be too slow and I'll lose sales. I'm going to make people angry or I'm not going to be safe or compliant, whatever compliant means to your industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, meaning it could be insurance, it could be safety, it could be, you know, government, whatever. And so they have all these things. And as we've added more and more apps and more and more systems, what used to be a pretty simple job has now got 50 or 100 things that you kind of have to do just to be ready to go. And people can't keep up with that, right? They just, their brains can't handle all the complexity of just memorizing all this stuff. And so our platform using checklists as kind of a a medium takes people through all the things they need to do to set up for whatever their shift that day, or it might be a double check. Oh, did I get all the things I needed to do to make this work correctly? And so we basically take their processes, we put them into our platform, and then their employees start using them. You know, they use phones and tablets, they're in their stores, going through double checking things, entering data in. And so we get all the data. So we're helping them do a better job. Plus, we're collecting all the data. Now, what's cool about this is that human operations, like people doing stuff, has always been a gigantic black hole for companies. They, they make training and they make procedures and they put things on the wall. And then they had no clue what was actually happening. They can see sales in the POS. And then they have to back into how well they're operating from all these other metrics. But all those other metrics are lagging. Sales, profits, customer satisfaction. That's a lagging indicator. If you're doing a horrible job interacting with people and not, you don't have a clean restaurant or you know, you're breaking everything, your sales will go down, but you won't know why, right? Because you don't have any data. But now we give these guys this data that they've never had. And it's it, the coolest thing about my job is because I created this thing from scratch, right? Is mm. to see people taking our platform and doing so much more than I could have ever imagined. Like they bought in, they go, this is working. And now they're just doing cool stuff in it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. They're actually creating more tools within it. Oh, yeah. Because the, the checklist, so it's, a, it's like an Excel. Well, it's not like it. Well, it's, a, it's similar to an Excel in that an Excel can be anything, right? Within the confines of a spreadsheet, like you have cells and columns and whatnot. And you, but you can, an Excel can be the financial analysis for a large corporation. It can also be your grocery list, right? Like Apps Analytic is similar to that in that they can build any kind of checklist process within the confines of the system that they need to collect data on. And so, you know, I've got some chains here in the U.S. Uh, it's One's called Qdoba, another is Denny's, and I think Denny's are international. But, you know, these are guys that started off with three or four processes that we built for them, just food safety, general operations stuff. And now they're running with hundreds of these same processes that they created themselves to manage their business. Because when you're trying to talk to 1,800 locations and collect data from them on something, there's no easier way to do it than using a platform like mine. 
So. Absolutely. So, you know, in terms of, you know, where the hospitality industry has come from with using technology, how has technology accelerated the uh, the hospitality industry? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you look at the last couple of years of the pandemic, the pandemic really forced the hospitality industry to really get to jump a bunch of uh, levels, right? Especially on the sales side and the delivery side in the respect of we can't have you in our restaurant. So we've got to have a way for you to easily order our food and come and get it or we'll bring it to you, right? Uh, and I would say really since we started this business, because we we started in 2015, really the big focus has been for most large chains and companies is how do I continue to be relevant and competitive when it comes to having an app, having a website, having delivery, having takeout and and you know pickup and also in addition to my in-store dining experience, right? So most of the focus has been on the POS and the website and the app for years. Back of the house technology, like management technology, we've always had some forms of inventory, labor, scheduling is a big deal in restaurants, especially big restaurants, because you might have you know, 50, 100 employees trying to manage that every week is, is really hard. So they've had those, those technologies. I think that the biggest opportunity moving forward, uh, and this is where I, I believe the battleground is going to be for multi-location businesses moving forward, it's going to be in the operation side where we are. And it's not just going to be checklists, it's going to be sensors, and it's going to be robots, and it's going to be getting real-time data from social media and all of this stuff and bringing it all together and coordinating it so that it all works together and we're, we can basically, I think the goal of it will be, can we identify issues faster and fix them faster than our competitors so that a dirty bathroom affects as few people as possible uh, on a given day on a given location? Um, because if we can do that, which is all capable, that all of it exists, it's just no one's brought it together yet. If we can do that, if we can fix that dirty bathroom or we can identify that the sauce was super salty and we can get it off the line and replace it with new sauce, right, faster, then we will do a better job of taking care of our customers. And incrementally over time, we will start to, to start to separate ourselves from our competitors because we'll just be operating better, right? Mm. We'll just ultimately be operating better. And then that will cascade to better locations, better advertising, better deals, better everything, because we'll have more capital to do it with. Mm-hmm. Saving saving time, saving costs, saving yeah, saving money. And saving customers, really. And saving you know, customers, yeah. So many of the bad interactions that you have with any business, right? Any business in the world that has like a, a bad interaction with, 80% of the time, it's a small thing, but they've already identified it. They just dropped the ball on covering it off, you know? Mm-hmm. like your your glass was dirty you know they know that they shouldn't be serving bad glasses just somebody missed it right nobody checked it somebody missed it and therefore it just ended up it cost you a little experience and, and here's the thing too most of these things that happen they're not horrible like they're not enough for you to go i'm never going to do this again i'm never coming back here that happens occasionally right but not all the time mm. but what happens most of the time it's death by a thousand cuts you simply go in and then your glass was dirty, your plate was dirty, the bathroom was dirty, the food was okay. And you do that, you go, uh, and you just go, blah, blah, 
right? Yeah, exactly. You have three block experiences and you don't go back. Yes, exactly. That's very true. So um, it reminds me yesterday when I said to the waiter, my spoon, he gave me a spoon and I said, it's dirty. You know, detail. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, come I, on. I, eyes on the ball, eyes on the ball. So let's talk about the tools you're using in terms of making sure. making their job easier in the hospitality industry. Sure. So we have a web app, right, which a web app is the best way to go. It's where actually iPhone started were web apps. And then they Apple has since gone to the app store and they want everything hard coded for them. But a web app is great because a web app allows you to work on any device. So we work on Android phones, tablets, iOS phones and tablets, and also computers as well. And the way our system is constructed, you can start something on one device and pick it up on another and, you know, bounce it around. So we really, when we built our a user interface for our end users. In our business, 99% of the usage is being done by the line employee at the location. So it's not a it's not an analyst, it's not a administrator, it's a person. This might even be their native language and they are using our platform to go through and answer these questions and do these logs and, and processes. And so when we built this, we said it's got to be bulletproof, it's got to be fast, and it's got to be easy and intuitive. And so we really focused on those three sort of design attributes for the end user because we know that the guy who's doing this, this is something that, A, a lot of times they don't want to do. B, they're doing it very quickly because they got to get to other stuff. So we just can't have the technology get in their way, right? And so we tried to make it, like I said, device agnostic easy peasy, just guides you through what you need to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So can we talk about the sort of the back end of it, you know, in terms of what what you have actually built in terms of tools as well? Yeah. So the evolution of our platform was, was interesting because we had a workflow background and our developer uh, was also a workflow guy, but he's also a developer too. So workflow is like, you know how to develop software, but you don't know how to code. And he was a coder as well. And so when we launched this to get it out fast, we had our beta version, which is something that I had built prior at my previous company that we were just using as kind of a stopgap for the first six months. But then we basically rebuilt the platform and we did it very 2015. We had a front app that you use to do the checklist, but then we actually used a workflow system called Decisions here to do the back end. And so that was where you got your reports from and your all the users and locations and all the management stuff. We had sort of a two-tier system. And that was a very expensive, but it was a very quick way to go. And actually, I was able to pitch in and learn decisions and help build out some of the processes that we use to upload things into the system and all that kind of stuff. So I developed for probably the second half of our first year, just trying to get our minimum viable product to the marketplace or I would say our version two, if you will, because we had an MVP, but it, it didn't show well. And we did that for like 17 months. We had the two app system, right? And then we realized that that the decisions just couldn't be as clean and nice and as competitive in the marketplace. So then we went back and recoded through 2016 and 2017, the back end and took, and basically now we have a complete system that's all ours. We manage everything through our system. Wow. And we write it on .NET. Um, and C Sharp. Mm-hmm. And so it's a web app. And then we use SQL as our back end. And, and we purposely chose that. 
I've been enamored by Azure and AWS and I've been sucked into their marketing a couple of times, but my developer always pulls me back and he's just like, dude, a Windows server is the most bulletproof thing in the entire world. You can move it anywhere. You don't have to worry about stuff. And uh, AWS and Azure go down quite often. They have big outages. And so we have that, just that, that very basic, we're writing a web app on .NET and C Sharp, and we have a SQL database. And it actually paid off because our hosting company last summer was, or two summers ago, was causing us all kinds of issues because they were over-provisioning their servers. And we were having issues on our platform and we couldn't figure it out. And it took us a while to figure out it was them, but we were able to pick up and move to a new hosting company and it wasn't painful, you know? So it actually that keeping it simple, you know, you can get sucked in by these new products and new languages and new stuff all the time. And they're spending a lot of money to get adoption on these like, you know, platforms, whatever they are. But, you know, if you don't want to have to have 50 customer support guys, then you need to just keep it simple because it just makes your life so much easier, you know? And in terms of technology, you know, is there any sort of uh, challenges that you have that, you know, technology is not up to date or there's something missing or, you know, it could be better? Yeah, no. Uh, I think Apple is our biggest. So I'm all Apple. I'm on Macs. I mean, I all Apple across the board. Everything I own personally is Apple. I love Apple. They are the biggest hurdle to our business that we have because they don't want web apps. They don't have any control over web apps. So they have enough stuff in their platform to allow you to do a web app, but they make it really difficult. And they want you to code for Apple specifically, and they want you to code natively. Like they want you to have not a web app, but they want you to have an actual app that's in their system. Because when you update your app, they review your code. And because their focus is, if your app's crashing all the time on the iPhone, they are afraid that the customer is going to go, the iPhone's not working, not the app. So they want complete control over this app environment. And so there are things that we've done on Android. We built offline on Android so we can be completely offline and still submit checklists and, and work it. We built that in two and a half weeks using Chrome and .NET. We had to recode it from scratch for Apple. It took us six months. And so in my young company's history of seven years, we have probably spent 18 months of coding just to make features that work on a browser on your computer and on an Android device work on Apple. My God. That's tough. Yeah. And they're using it for their benefit, basically. Yeah. No. Apple, like, are geniuses at making you spend as much money as possible and looking like they're this big benevolent, like beautiful tech company, you know, they've marketed themselves so beautifully, but like they know their business and every decision they make is to increase their profitability. Of course. I can't fault them because they're a company, but I'm like, ah, make it a little easier, dude. Come on. Yeah. But you would never get off the Apple because it's, it it works best for you. Yeah. Yeah, I tried Android, but, you know, it's almost like you kind of got to get them when they're babies, because once you try to switch over from Apple to Android or vice versa, it's kind of hard, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I can imagine. I mean, I've, I've used both, but 
I understand it. I get it. And, you know, in terms of technology and the hospitality industry, you know, where do you sort of see it going in terms of like making it easier for the industry and, and sort of, you know, where, where's it being developed? I mean, you say the operation side is the most important when it comes to hospitality. Well, I, I don't know if it's the most important, but it's the part that no one's touched yet. And so it's the last kind of big frontier, right? Like you've got the supply chain is being handled. They're doing their thing. You'll see like in big chains, right? Not independence, but in big chains, they're getting more and more commissary food. They're going to more and more third-party suppliers that are supplying everybody in the space, right? So, you know, you have like sauce company and all they make are like sauces in bags and they ship them to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, and they're doing that a lot for food safety, a lot to cut labor at the restaurants too, but also because, you know, this, everything else outsourcing, this guy just does this all the time. He's better at it than you trying to recreate cheese sauce and, 2000 locations every afternoon, you know? So they got the supply chain down. They've got the sales side down. If you're choosing to not have an app or delivery or website, it's not like the technology doesn't exist. It's you simply, you've chosen not to do it for whatever reason, right? So now we're, we're, we're the last kind of frontier here is how are we going to, in, in the US, I don't know about in Spain, but in the US, we're having a lot of issues with labor. The pandemic pushed a lot of people out of the, a lot of the lower end jobs. The government kind of subsidized it a little bit. And so now we can't get people to work as much. So now they're, they have to reinvent. How do I continue to deliver these whatever food items they are or whatever service I provide with less people and more data, right? And mm. so that's where I think the biggest gap is right now is – you know, how are we going to incorporate robots and sensors and people and have them all working together simultaneously to achieve the goal? You know, mm. that's where you see, see it's going. And, and, and in terms of, you know, the technology you use, how does it sort of enable teams to work like remotely? I'd imagine that you're working, building this platform remotely. How many of there are you? Uh, we are hiring right now. So we are going to be at like eight people and then we have some contractors and we have, uh, some guys in the Philippines as well too. So we are all Google. So we're G suite, um, which is like Google docs. And, and we, I've worked remote since 2009 and, um, we started this company remote. We've got people all over the U S and the Philippines. Matter of fact, for the first time I saw my, I, I saw my developer, my head of development, who's also a partner in the company. For the second time in person last Thursday, we flew the entire team out to Denver to have a dinner and drinks and hang out and just meet because we have all these new people joining and they all are scattered all over the place. So it was really fun. Wow. Yeah, it was cool. And we can do that because we don't have an office that's sucking up, you know, however many thousands of dollars a month in rent that no one's going into. So, you know. We're going to probably try to do that every six months, just get the team together, fly to a city for a day and hang out and just chat, you know, Very but, good. you know, we're doing a lot of Google meets, a lot of chat and a lot of like shared docs where we're all in there collaborating. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it's very important to have that sort of human interaction, but also having technology that enables you to work collaboratively to build good products like this. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of, the future of digital and your line of work, what's your ideal 
situation in terms of you know sort of seeing the seeing it move forward sure so with the platform our platform you know when you're developing a platform it's this constant it's like capitalism almost right like it's you know you have like it would be wonderful if you lived in a bubble or you were the government and you could just go okay i have unlimited money and i'm just going to build every piece out right step by step by step and go all the way through it you know from start to finish a to z but in the real world you, you know you're constrained by time and money and also competitors you know dictate what you're going to put attention on and so when you're building one of these things from scratch you kind of are doing not only the platform is an MVP, a minimum viable product, but then each individual module is an MVP as well. And so you'll get a module out there enough to say it's done and to say you have it because maybe you lost a deal to it or maybe you found out your competitor is selling off the fact that you don't have that module. So then you're, oh no, I'm losing deals, right? I got to get some money in here. So I will go and build this module and get it to this point, you know, whatever. And it could be, it works, but it might be 30% of where you expected it to be out of when it's going to be done. And so for the first five or six years, we just jumped around building MVP, 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 getting everything out there so we could compete. And we, and we built some things too that gave us a competitive advantage. But right now where we're at is we're just trying to go back to all these things and get them completely done or you know, at least to what we would consider done for now and get them to all to 100%. And when we've, we've accomplished that in the near term, which will be in the next year or so, um, as we continue to work on this, then I think we'll, that will free us up to start looking at where do we go after that, right? Because I want all of my features to beat my competitors individually. So I don't have to sit on any demo call or sales call in here. Well, your reporting is not as good as their reporting. Uh-uh, I want my reporting to be, you know, as good as it can be, you know? Tom Notch. Yeah. So, so you want to be like you're getting customers who are going to buy your product because it's a good product, basically. Absolutely. And I want it to be best in class. And like the hardest thing to do is when you're in these demos is have them tell you that yours isn't as good as the other one they're looking at, because that's really scary. And it's so hard to get these sales. You know, you just got to you got to have everything kind of done. And, you know, there's always schools of thought, right? Like some people want to be everything. They want to have a little bit of everything and, you know, and none of it's great. And I think we're sort of just gravitating towards, we just want to be really great at what we do. And then as we add things moving forward, we just want to, you know, just be building on to a really solid structure. So, so and, and, you know, just one final question. Why would, you know, let's say you're in 19 countries, why did they choose your platform versus other platforms we do one thing better than everybody else right now which is what we call dynamic checklists and so we have this really powerful business logic engine kind of and you could think of it as like like more like like sql queries but not really like we can just we can do things that other people can't do so for instance i've got 750 burrito restaurants and they have one checklist that's their temperature log. But every time they load that checklist at a different location, it changes to be exactly for that location based on their equipment, based on their menu, based on who's doing the checklist, based on what time of day it is. And so they can have one checklist, which simplifies their reporting, simplifies their management, simplifies everything. But yet at this location here, I'm not asking you about a piece of equipment you don't have. 
because it's smart enough to go, okay, this is exactly the version of this for their restaurant. And they're all different, slightly different. You know, uh, if you're a chain, 95% of your restaurants are exactly the same or your locations are the same, but 5% are different. And it's in that 5% where people get frustrated and why am I having to do this? And our competitors can do the same thing, but they have to do it by building multiple checklists. So now I have a checklist for the people who have drive throughs and I have a checklist for the people without drive throughs But then there's so many different little pieces in there. You'd have to have 100 checklists or 200 or to keep up. So the reason why people buy us is because we can do things inside the checklist that nobody else can do. And that's been our biggest competitive advantage. And, and amazingly, it doesn't seem like anybody's sort of putting any effort towards that right now to catch us. And we're hoping to put a, another big release on that later this year to even cement our competitive advantage there even further, because we can just get more data, better data than everybody else can. Wonderful. Well, Tommy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and learning about uh, Ops Analytica and why you are the checklist platform. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, look forward to seeing you in Europe soon uh, on stage or, you know, uh, traveling in your in your camper van. Oh, absolutely. And thank you guys so much for having me on today. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Thank you. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Tied Together. If you have any comments or you have any feedback for us, you can always email us at tiedtogether at cohesus.co.uk.